0: A long-time restaurant in Louisville's New Lou neighborhood is closing. It's a sad reality of the COVID-19 pandemic, but we've also got some good news about a restaurant chain from Louisville, too. We'll get all philosophical about it. That's next on Access Louisville. Stick around. joining us. My name is David Mann and joining me today is Haley Cawthon. Hey there. Brooke Timmons. Hi, hi. And Shay Van Hoy. Hello. Access Louisville is a weekly podcast from Louisville Business First. Each week we bring you the latest news and the sharpest opinions on the city we love, Louisville, Kentucky. But before we do that, I'm going to start this show the way I always do with a difficult question for our panel. So today on LouisvilleBusinessFirst.com, we had a story about Shaquille O'Neal putting up his mansion in Florida on the market. Uh, Shaq, of course, is a franchisee and board member at Louisville-based Papa John's. It's a loose local connection, but hey, we'll take it. Anyway, the house features 12 bedrooms, 11 half baths, a 17-car showroom-style garage, and of course, an indoor basketball court. So my question to you guys is, If you could have a 12 bedroom mansion, what would be one unique amenity that you would include in it? And I'll start, um, I would get whatever the closest current reality is to a holodeck. So like some kind of like virtual reality room. Um, I don't know if that would be- That is
1: specialty, David. That is, yes.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, Shaq got a basketball court, so I get this. I think that would probably be like an Oculus, rift or something attached to the ceiling in a big open room and you could walk around <laughs> or something but i don't know exactly it's how that would work or it maybe it would like be it would be video just projected on the walls uh whatever the closest version of that is that that's that exists in reality now um I, that's what i, I don't
2: I, I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: just totally lost he's like he said something about videos <laughs>
0: virtual, real- virtual reality. basically. Oh. Uh, did you watch Star Trek? You know, they had the holodeck. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. So, okay. And now you've lost me. Okay, now I've lost (laughs) you. I was gonna say, I'm gone now too. (laughs) We we better
0: move on. We better move (laughs) on. Uh, Brooke, I'll start with you on this one.
1: So a couple of years ago, I would have told you I wanted a giant, like, like a, be- like turn a bedroom into a closet. Like just like have just like the most like glory, like when you flip on the lights, the different lights would hit the different areas of the closet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to live actually a little bit more like streamlined lifestyle. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I'm going to put a pin in the closet. And, um, and I think that I would want a food photography studio um, that was like a kitchen. Like, so if we're going like completely That's extra, so like. It, yeah, if you, if you follow me on Instagram, I like to, I'm not a professional at this by any means, but I love to take pictures of the food that I, um, that I cook or other people cook. Um, so yeah, I would have like a food photography studio.
0: Nice, uh, Shay, what do you think? Man, there's so
2: many possi- possibilities I've thought of just in the last 90 seconds. Um, but I think um, it's a tie between my own like street taqueria
1: <laughs> i was thinking she would have like a drive-through taco Bell. i was like there's something
2: about
0: tacos in here
1: <laughs>
2: and but the kind of one that might be i guess more unique with uh, an indoor wiffle ball field oh, all right that's, so like, that's
0: a pretty good one
2: yeah so i was thinking like baseball like a batting cage but that gets old and you know but to have a like an actual wiffle ball field where you can have people over and play indoor games that would be mine
0: wiffle ball i hadn't played that in a while um do they is it like a plastic bat plastic ball situation or or is there like a more uh, upscale version of whipple wiffle ball these days
2: no it's still that and and there are um uh, i can't remember one of the places i was one of the few places i've lived in the new whatever paper it was did a story that someone had built a really nice outdoor wiffle ball sta- uh wiffle ball stadium with like you know a fence like hmm little mini stands and all that stuff so the i guess you could put the play the taqueria could be the concession stand
0: yeah love exactly. it <laughs> Haley, what do you think
3: um i don't dream as big as you guys i guess <laughs> because when i read this question i was like oh you know what i'd really like one of those like really big libraries with like floor-to-ceiling books and like a ladder that like swings across the books <laughs> so you. Too, <laughs> yeah that's man. nice
1: too Come like, on. everybody's classy, answers
3: were man. spot
1: on for their personalities <laughs> <laughs>
0: sure. All right, uh, that that does sound like a classy room. So that's that's a good. I'm point.
1: like picturing you as Belle from Beauty and the Beast right now. Like
3: yeah. Like- I w- I don't know if I'm like super classy because like my shelves would be filled with like Harry Potter and uh, <laughs> Lord of the Rings books, not like <laughs> super deep <laughs> authentic books, I don't know. But we also have like a
1: fondness for disaster books. Like we yes. we traded we traded Titanic for Holocaust books <laughs> a
3: couple months ago. <laughs> yeah, before the pandemic hit, Brooke and I traded sad books. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh very good suggestions everyone uh if you want to see what shack's mansion looks like uh, i'll uh, link that story in our podcast notes uh but we'll move on to some uh less dreamy news um we've had a couple restaurant uh comings and goings here lately haley has been following those uh the big news this week was uh harvest restaurant in new is closing so haley what did the uh owner say was happening there?
3: Um, Yeah, basically, Harvest said that they couldn't make their margins work anymore during the pandemic, which is, you know, it's, that's the case I've been hearing for every restaurant that's, you know, still open and trying to make it work, or that has closed, they just can't make ends meet, period. And for Harvest, it's a unique situation because they try to source 80% of um, all of their menu ingredients um, from local sources, and it's not necessarily cheap to do Mm -hmm. that to pay for organic you know locally farmed food Mm -hmm. Um, it's usually more um, cost prohibitive than um, just getting it from a big distributor of some sort so they were just like there's no way that we can keep going and um, they said it's been an emotionally challenging year and having to write this letter announcing our closure only worsens it for us yeah so they they wrote a a
0: Heartfelt yeah. letter,
3: so. It, it it did seem really sad, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, posting uh, that on Facebook. How how long have they been there?
3: Uh, they opened in April 2011. Um, they were kind of one of the first restaurants, um, maybe not the first, <laughs> um, but one of the first restaurants that, you know, pushed that farm-to-table movement. Um, Lily's Bistro uh, and Kathy Carey's Restaurant was another mm-hmm. um, that was a big proponent and like that movement catching on. Now it's like every place has locally sourced ingredients or, you know, we got this from our family farm in Oldham County or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um I feel like a lot more places are doing that kind of um locally sourced um menu take since harvest and Lily's bistro They
0: definitely started a trend. I mean like there for a while like farm to table was everything. It was everywhere. And then it kinda got um like freaking McDonald's was using it at one point or something. And and, you know, <laughs> yeah. like and you were just like, okay, this term is now total BS. But uh but yeah. there for a while, you know, it was like it it was a very authentic thing that they were doing. Um were you guys big harvest fans? I tell you I, I only ate there once and it was actually when I was interviewing for my job at Business First. And um I didn't super love it so I didn't go back. But even though it wasn't really for me, I was kind of glad that it existed because I felt like it gave, you know, it gave uh, the food scene something unique. And and also uh, with Kentucky being such an agriculture state, it was cool to connect with the uh, farms around Kentucky. So I appreciated that it existed even though I wasn't a big fan of it myself. Um, Haley, I'll start with you on this one. Did you, uh, did you go there very often?
3: I actually hadn't made it to Harvest yet. Um, as many of you might remember, I just got to business first last year, um, just before Derby. So I'm still trying to work my way through restaurants and some that I wanted to try have closed (laughs) since before I could make it. Um, but I agree. Yeah. Especially this year, but I agree with you, David, I'm glad that restaurants like Harvest exist or existed because I feel like there needs to be some kind of, you know, universal agreement between restaurants to like, source so much of their food from local farms because Mm -hmm. COVID-19 has especially showed us the breakdown in the supply chain system for restaurants. So I feel like there's probably a better way to do this. And maybe it's not sourcing, you know, 80%, maybe it's half or something like that. Um, And that way all restaurants could kind of adjust their prices accordingly and it wouldn't be so cut through, you know, trying to make these margins work.
0: Yeah. Uh, Brooke, you really liked Harvest, right?
1: I did. I loved Harvest. Uh, it was one of my favorite restaurants in town. Um, I just, I loved, I loved their mission. I loved that they had pictures of the, of the farmers who sourced their food on the walls of the restaurant. Um, and everything I ate there, I thought was fantastic. Actually, a couple of years ago, um, I actually got called out by the server once. He was like, uh, you've been here twice this week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and it was for like business meetings and other stuff, but, um, but it was still, it, you know, I love that restaurant. So I'm really, I actually was I flipped up on my email this morning and saw that it was leading our our morning edition this morning and i was like no and like started (laughs) texting everyone in my phone the link so uh so yeah i'm i'm bummed to see it go
0: yeah shay care to add anything on that one
2: yeah i like i can play the opposite in like (laughs) I, i thought it was like i'm like the concept and stuff you know great helping local farmers But I went there twice, I think, and actually both were ACB, were business first related for meetings. And um, I was just thought it was okay. And so like, but I also have this thing where if I'm going to go spend 35 or 40 bucks, then I have this sort of mental block where I have to get a steak. Because Mm. I'm like, if I'm going to spend that much money, I want to steak. Or a steak taco. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it was not for me. It was not the place to go for steak. So, yeah, like, yeah
1: it's, not, yeah, it's not, a, it not a steak place. So, it,
2: I think that's kind of on me. So, it, it reminded me of Whole Foods and that, like, they have pictures of the farmers on the wall. But, like, every time I get meat at Whole Foods, I'm like, why did I spend twice as much for something that isn't as good as, like, Kingsley or, you know, Frank's? And I just left kind of like, you know, I'm sad that for them that they closed, but, um, you know, it wasn't a place that I, like, was like, oh, I need to take out of town people there.
0: Yeah, same. Um, Let's see. Uh, Other restaurant news. It's not all bad news. Um, The uh, Boomba's at Westport Village is finally reopening. Uh, Haley, they kind of had a COVID-related delay, didn't they?
3: Yeah, so Boomba's actually closed, um, I think it was maybe late August. Of 2019. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe I got that date wrong, but it was definitely fall of 2019, um, which is just crazy to think about how much has changed since then. Um, so they were originally set to open, um, I think, fairly quickly, like December tw- 2019, or maybe it was earlier this year. Um, but obviously, you know, construction gets delayed all the time. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and so uh, they were delayed by four months um, in getting that rebranded mildly rebranded um renovated restaurant open
0: mm-hmm. uh, and then it sounds like um joella's is growing in spite of the pandemic that you just wrote about that yesterday and that was an interesting story because they they pulled back initially but now they feel safe opening a few new restaurants correct
3: Yeah, uh, so Joel has actually had signed a lease in Clarksville, um, Indiana, and a lease in Lexington prior to the pandemic hitting, and they kind of just backed out of um, their plans there initially because they had no idea what was going to happen with COVID, and uh, since then, they've kind of rebounded um, and kind of switched up their carryout sales, and um, it sounds like they're more comfortable in, you know, keeping that momentum going because they've opened a lot of locations in the past year. Like they opened, they made a footprint in Georgia and Florida that they didn't previously had have. And, um, so they're opening a restaurant in Indianapolis this month and, um, then they're planning to open the Clarksville and second Lexington location at the end of this year.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like if you're in the restaurant business, the place to be is, um, the uh fast uh, fast casual takeaway type space instead of the fine dining places. Upscale restu-
1: we'll
3: upsc- go on. Well I was going to say the biggest challenge that upscale restaurants have, like the places that charge, you know, twenty five to thirty dollars for a meal Is because people go there for the experience, and when they're not comfortable with dining in, they're not going to pay that much to take it in a styrofoam box to eat at home. Some people will, but most people won't, and so that's the challenge that upscale restaurants have had to adapt to versus um, fast casual, their food is, you know, lower price, a lower barrier of entry, so people don't feel, you know, like they're missing out on something.
0: Mm -hmm. um, By, By doing takeout, I guess.
3: By doing takeout, Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. And then I don't think I've gone to many, um, well, like even before the pandemic, I can't think of the last like fine dining restaurant I went to. Um, I think I went to Pet's Steakhouse maybe in 2019. I don't know if you call it fine dining or not. It's more uh, yeah, steakhouse.
1: I, <laughs> I went to Jeff Ruby's in December, um, which seems yeah. like a lifetime ago.
0: Maybe but. I went somewhere on Valentine's Day. Oh, I went to... Um, steak, and, steak bourbon. and bourbon oh yeah, yeah that's right you did that was kind of that's more upscale than than joella's or something but um i think nope. i went to
2: steak and bourbon, bourbon like to, a week after you and oh yeah yeah i think really we all good. talked thought about it really good.
0: Good. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um man i love their i love their um, uh the rub they use there but uh this isn't a steak and bourbon commercial so I'll stop. <laughs> but, um, are they closed at this point i can't even remember they're open Oh, are they?
2: Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we tried to get reservations out, <laughs> outdoors uh, um, a couple of weeks ago and they were full. Um, right. But I've like, I've been to ceviche a couple of times since the pandemic and set outside and um, you know, their patio is really nice. So the experience was fine because I like sitting outside and eating and um, mm-hmm. but, and they've been, I think it's like certain, I don't know, these certain staple upscale restaurants um, every time I go by ceviche, it's it seems to be as full as it can be under guidelines. Um, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, pre COVID too, just the, at least the, at least the media tells us that, uh, you know, millennials <laughs> love Qdoba and quick service and, you know, don't want to sit down and have a waiter or waitress. And they don't really want to go through a drive-thru. They want like the in-between of like going to a counter and then moving down an assembly line and getting yeah. a burrito or pizza.
0: I don't know if you remember this Shay, but uh, one time I went to um, Corbett's for like a lunch thing uh, out on the East End before it closed, and I was there for like three hours, and then I think I wrote a story like uh, maybe a few months later about how people don't want to stay anywhere for three hours anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so Not that for made, lunch, I mean, yeah, and for lunch, and I was like texting you like, I'm sorry, I thought I'd be back.
1: <laughs> I don't know. When I went to Jeff Ruby's a couple uh, in December, I ordered uh, one of the desserts specifically because I wanted the person to come and light it on fire in front of me. Um, <laughs> so I was there for the experience, which is also a very millennial thing. I'm yes. here for the experience.
3: I was going to say, speaking for millennials or a millennial, um, I like having a wait staff and having people wait on me because I worked in the restaurant business and if I go out to eat, I want someone to, you know, provide me a service and not me like clean up after myself. I'm with Um, you there. I
0: like like sitting down and having a waiter and, and that sort of thing.
3: What,
2: what's been a uh, real quick, what's been cool about the pandemic is like deciding what food travels the best, like not restaurant specific, <laughs> well, like, yeah. because like we, we ordered Valare, uh, delivery and man, Italian travels really well.
0: Does man, it? Like, I wouldn't have yeah, thought so. Yeah. Like,
2: yeah. Like, like non-fried is where you want to go. Like even steak's not so bad because it's grilled, but yeah, like, don't, like fish and chips, no, but like Mexican and Italian, I'm going to mm, need this yeah.
3: spreadsheet posted in our team. Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: I was we'll going to say, podcast notes. <laughs>
3: um, <laughs> I, I actually live um, in Southern Indiana and I have been hitting up El Nopal <laughs> so often yeah. um, and their Mexican takeout is always on point. Like it's always fast, fresh, hot. Like I have no complaints.
0: <laughs> yeah. I get a lot of Mexican takeout too. And I can't get uh, delivery margaritas anymore in my area. I don't oh. know if Johnny Lalker is, is cracking down or if uh, <laughs> <laughs> or if the businesses just decided that was the only one paying that much for delivery margaritas. <laughs> I don't think you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But for some reason, the a couple of Mexican restaurants around me uh, don't have them anymore. So totally bummed. I'll have, to, I'll have to plan ahead to get my margaritas, I guess. <laughs> um, switching gears here. Uh, less fun topic. TARC this week released the results of an investigation of its former director, Ferdinand Risco, Jr., which detailed sexual harassment of employees as well as a sexual relationship with a contractor who was paid more than a quarter million dollars under a no-bid contract. Uh, this alleged misappropriation is being turned over to state uh, leaders for possible criminal prosecution. So I guess, uh, you know, it's a story we kind of uh, every media outlet in town has been following uh, some of the accusations here. But uh, how does this work? Now, this is just an accusation from the TARC people, right? But uh, Risco's kind of been silent on this, hasn't he?
2: Yeah, he's not reachable. Apparently, according to the investigation, like when he was told that he was out of a job, they said he you know left town that day like it was some Hmm. sort of, you know, old-school wrestling match, loser leave town, and he was out, um, and then we've tried to contact his attorney a couple times and have not not been able to get him, uh, but yeah, very serious uh, accusations in that 124-page document, which you can find on our website, and you know, so we've only gotten really one side of the story so
0: far. Right, Yeah. Uh, and, and I kind of think of like, this is another black eye for Fisher, it seems like. I mean, is his legacy just over at this point? Because I mean, he's, he's, under, he's under fire for LMPD, the killing of Brianna Taylor, his public safety records taken hit, and then, uh, and then this, he, he appointed Ferdinand uh, to that post too. So I'm just wondering, like, can, can his reputation recover as, as mayor? I don't know.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, it's like, it's kind of, the fact that it's happening in his last term, Mm -hmm. um, I guess that's good
0: for him. I mean,
2: yeah, yeah, it's, it's also, there's also kind of the lame duck factor in all of this, I think. And, and and, where, you know, how much, you know, I know people are criticizing him for not taking enough action, but, um, you know, I think that that plays into it in a way. And, uh, you know, Risco 2 was hired to, you know, was brought in as an assistant executive director previously and was here and, um, you know, for a couple of years before he got promoted. And, you know, after that, after the scandal broke, um, you know, it was reported that some union leaders had cautioned Fisher against promoting him, that there might be some red flags there. Uh, but I don't know how you could have imagined to that, to
3: that level. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah.
2: Uh, I was going to say,
3: Go after reading after reading that, um, well, most of that 124-page report, I was just surprised um, that, you know, f- for the two years that he was the assistant director, I think that was his previous title, um, it seemed like there were no red flags in terms of, like, at least that popped up in what I was reading. <laughs> at least not um, in the report. Yeah, not with his travel, not with, you know, his expenses or anything like that, um, in terms yeah. of, like, the actual money trail there (laughs) kind of it kind
1: of reminds me of the situation when you know you find out that there was like you know some sort of serial killer living next door to you and they they interviewed the old lady and she was like he seemed perfectly nice to me you know like maybe it was well i did like i went
0: on um a glide trip with him last year sat down and had lunch with him one day and uh you know seemed like a very professional guy and uh uh and you know i didn't didn't take anything from that conversation other than he you know knew what he was talking about when it come to public transportation but um but it was you know surprising to read some of the things that were in this report so
2: yeah i think i think the flip though is if you know if true you know if true like if you take the investigation that tark released you know it, you know if, if everything or most everything in there's true i think the gap between him him as assistant director and executive director is just all what these situations always boil down to these harassment situations is power like you know, he didn't make these moves until he had the power to do them. And then according to the document, he went full force in making these setting up this structure that allowed him to do this by kind of pushing out people that were longer board members who were raising questions about why mm-hmm. they didn't have access mm-hmm. to information and then bringing in people who were subordinate and kind of beholden to him that he could take advantage of, uh, you know, how it 's yeah. laid out in the
0: report yeah. yeah, and the report talks about how he kind of had two circles, one was his inner circle and and one was his outer circle, who was kind of the old guard of Tark, and he kind of pushed them away and um and then had other people in his inner circle who were kind of read like they were uh, victims um, but um, there was some new developments with Tark today. they just named a new director right
2: it was the uh, she had a past uh, past affiliation with Tark. Uh, Carrie Butler is her name. and yeah, she, she was, was work,
0: previously at, uh, in Lexington. So.
2: Yeah, in Lexington. And before that with, with Tark, though, for I think eight years at one point. So she kind of knows the ins and outs of what's going on. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think also with – probably with what's happened, uh, appointing a, a woman to that position was probably a smart move.
0: <laughs> probably. Uh, and then let's see here. So I guess what are your hopes for Tark um, in the wake of this? You know, I always – want to see a strong public transportation system here <clears throat> everybody says trains i don't think it would go over as well as Neil you know hopefully would because there wouldn't be as many of them as there are buses but i would like to see like some kind of uh some kind of uh you know just like real reliable transportation that um that people could embrace trains do sound cool i just don't think it would work that well but <laughs> that's just me being a skeptic well, well with him you know
2: i, I heard Ferdinand Risco speak in front of a at a leadership Louisville event, and the stuff he was saying about what he wanted to do with public transit was like, wow, someone in here that's finally going to like, we're you know, every pay pay is going to be made through the app, and you know we're going you know you can plan out your route. It's not just about bus. It's like if I want to get to point A to B, I can take you know, uh, Tark, and then I can take a uh, a lift, a scooter, yeah, or a yeah. scooter, and like putting all these kind of logistical pieces together to get people where they're going, um, because it's a problem for, un- you know, especially for underserved areas or people who don't have a car. Mm-hmm. And when, when you heard him speak about these things, it was, it, you know, you felt inspired that, Hey, maybe something, you know, yeah. Tark's not going to be the same, you know, old Tark, uh, but, um, but there were, well, yeah, there were we like, like never criticisms
0: <laughs> of the old director, Barry Barker that he wasn't forward thinking enough and he didn't do a lot of that stuff. Uh, And um, when Ferdinand Risco came in, everybody was kind of like, oh, he's going to bring all these changes that are like, um, you know, uh, like you said, like payment through the app and stuff. And they have like I got an email from Tark a few weeks ago, actually, that said you can pay through the app now. So they have implemented some of that. Um, But uh, uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I think we're running out of time here. So I'm going to move us on uh, and just kind of let us sign off here. Uh, before we get uh, before we have to move on um, that's all we have for this week uh, let's go around the room here and you guys can share your social media handles uh, Shay I'll start with you on this one
2: yeah primarily on Twitter i just at my name Shay Van Hoy um, and I'm tweeting about work stuff and then you know other stuff as well um, on there
0: all right uh, Brooke how about you
1: so you can um, um, I'm I'm predominantly on Instagram <laughs> and uh you can find me at, at btimmons twenty six, but I also make guest appearances on Twitter every now and then. You can find me at, at BF Lou Brook
0: With special guest at BF Lou Brook. Um <laughs> Haley, how about you?
3: Um, I'm primarily on Twitter. Uh, You can find me at BF Haley and Shay's downplaying it. He also tweets about baseball and cats. so um, If you're into that, follow Shay. I mostly tweet about food and my dog. I just got him a backpack. So that's fun.
0: Right. You got you a
2: backpack. Not, he, I'm now I'm imagining Winston with a little, back- <laughs> with a little backpack. I, I'm sorry.
3: I was imagining Winston carrying a backpack. <laughs> no, like, it's a, a, walk. It's like a backpack snacks. to carry Winston. No, okay. it's a backpack for me to carry my tubby dog around. So <laughs>
2: Nice. My dad used to carry his Winstons in his little shirt pocket. Him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the F Lou David and on Instagram at dman3001. Um, if you like what you hear please consider subscribing to the Access Louisville podcast we're on popular services like Apple podcast Google podcast Spotify Stitcher and Radio Public reviews are also welcome if you have those please feel free to leave us one only if they're positive though if they're negative just go tell a friend or something Um, (laughs) or 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 actually don't don't tell your friend tell a shrink because they have to keep that confidential (laughs) put it it on put it on Google Hangouts yeah put it on Google Hangouts uh, let's see thank you very much Shay, Brooke, and Haley and thank you guys for listening at home and until next time bye
2: bye see ya